Welcome to Feathers in My Hair, an Emotionally Broken Psycho's Patreon exclusive. Join me for the ultimate team mom deep dive. This is more than just a recap show. I'll scour the internet to bring you all the best drama that MTV didn't air. From police reports to deleted tweets, I've got the details on all the fights, breakups, and arrests of our favorite MTV train wrecks. If you think the moms bring the drama on TV, just wait until you hear what really happened. I'm your host, Liz Bentley. Hi guys, welcome back. Just a quick warning, I am sick. I'm pretty sick. I'm coming off a nasty sinus infection. I'm on a pack, but um, yeah, I probably sound really gross and nasally. I apologize for that. I'm going to do my best to keep any... Um, <laughs> bodily fluid noises that's so disgusting away from the microphone but bear with me this is going to be difficult so um I want to open this podcast with why I'm offended by the previews for the show Siesta Key Uh, I feel like this is on topic because it's MTV related I live in South Florida. Now, Siesta Key is not in South Florida, but it's in Florida. I don't hate Florida. I've lived here for about three years. Um, I feel like Florida kind of gets, like, a stupid rap where everybody thinks it's, like, the worst place in the world. And, like, it's not. Florida's fine. I've lived in a couple different states. Florida's whatever. But Florida in the summer is probably the worst place on Earth. Like, I mean, I guess... Actually, I spoke to someone today on the phone in Central Texas, and he's like, well, we don't have a beach. And I was like, well, you're right. So I would imagine Central Texas is awful in the summer, but Florida in the summer is pretty damn bad, and I live like five minutes from the beach. So even with like, you know, a coastal breeze, it's not a it's not a desirable place for one to be in the summer. So why the fuck Does MTV's Siesta Key preview say everybody wants to be in Siesta Key for the summer? Nobody wants to be anywhere in fucking Florida in the summer. Any rich person leaves Florida for the summer and goes to fucking New York or New England. Any smart person is what's called a snowbird, and they're not fucking here for the summer, suffering like us poor people who have to work here all year round. Like... On what fucking planet, MTV, would I want to be in Siesta Key, Florida in the fucking summer? No. I want to be there from October to April. Get the fuck out of here with that, MTV. (laughs) I saw that commercial and screamed and was like, shut the fuck up. I don't care how pretty the beach is. You want to be in the fucking Hamptons. You want to be at the Jersey Shore. You want to be in New England. You want to be in California. You want to be anywhere. (laughs) Except for fucking Florida in the summer. It's bullshit. Um, so yeah, there's my little rant. I hope you guys appreciate that. <laughs> Sorry, I'm like in rare form today. I like have only worked, I don't know, like 18 hours this week because I was out for two days and I left early today and I'm a goddamn mess. Um, who do I want to start with today? By the I mean, like, is Leah still on this fucking show? I I have, like, seven things written down for her. Who the fuck is Leah? Why are we even watching scenes with her? Every time she comes on the screen, I fucking groan. Because I'm like, ugh, this bitch is still on this show. I'm gonna need for Leah, Dawn, Messer, Sims, Calvert, Messer to step it the fuck up if she wants to be on this fucking show. 
you know, I'm going to need her to step it up. I'm a little over Leah having her shit together because I don't believe for one second she has her shit together. So let's start with fucking Leah. We see her at school. Um, I feel like MTV was probably, like, so fucking hyped that they had this storyline. But LOL, spoiler alert, this is probably the last episode that we're going to see Leah in school. Um, I did notice that Leah is making a point to do her hair and makeup this season, which I guess is good because I think it shows that she's in a better place. But I think it ties into, like, the multi-level marketing stuff that she's doing. Like, she's always wearing lipstick because she's selling that fucking lip sense bullshit and uh, she has to look nice because she wants to be a life coach. Which, by the way, if Leah starts offering her life coach services, I am considering spending the money to sign up. Like, I I mean, I feel like it'd be a good investment for me. <laughs> Do you guys think it'd be a good investment for me? <laughs> You know, like, fuck saving money or, like, going on trips. Because, you know, fuck that. I want Leah, Dawn, Messer, Sims, Calvert, Messer to um, be my life coach. And if you can't support me in this journey, then we're probably not close friends. I consider you all my close friends. I hope you consider me a close friend of yours. Um... She talks to her friend Liz. LOL, it was me. How fuck how fucking funny would it be, guys, if I befriended a teen mom, told no one about it. <laughs> and then wasn't on the show like physically, but one of the teen moms. I feel like I'm saying mom really weird because I'm sick and I'm saying it like one of the teen moms. I don't know. But if one of the teen moms like fucking started FaceTiming someone, particularly Kale or Leah, because they those two are always on FaceTime and it was Liz and it was me. Honestly, that's probably a goal of mine in life, like not to be on the show, but like to pop up as someone's FaceTime friend. That would be so fucking funny. And not tell anybody that it's going to happen until the episode aired. That would be, like, eulogy appropriate. Like, mentioned for the rest of my life. <laughs> uh, so she talks to her friend Liz and recounts Addie screaming and <laughs> about missing her dad. And, like, it is really fucking sad. I feel sad for Addie. We get a cute little scene with Corey and the twins. And he's, like, pushing them on the swings and he tells the girl, they're just like doing a cute father-daughter thing where you can't date till you're 50. Uh, it was cute. Um, I did notice like Allie was not wearing a helmet or knee pads. Oh, by the way, where's Allie's, Allie's helmet this season? Remember last season, Dr. Tao, who they fucking mercifully, or mercifully is not the word, right word, but who they just like straight up ignore told them that if Allie was not going to be in a, her wheelchair, she had to wear a helmet. And Leah basically was like, well, she doesn't have to wear a helmet because, um, you know, she just doesn't have to. Uh, where's her helmet? <laughs> I noticed she wasn't wearing it on the swing set. Seems like it'd be a good place to have her helmet on. Uh, they were in Disney World this week, Leah and the girls, and Allie was walking around. She did have her wheelchair there, but she was walking around in quite a few snaps with her knee pads on, but no helmet. Them ignoring Dr. Tao is, is that how you say his name? T-S-A-O-A-A-O? T-S-A-O is how you spell his last name, right? I think it's Dr. Tao. So the thing that just kills me so much about Leah is that her and Corey are seeing one of 
literally the world's best doctors for Allie's conditions. Dr. Tal is like above and beyond. He is a world renowned doctor and specialist in her condition. And you know, this week on the Facebook, we were talking about it. And one of our group members, who's named Nikki, shared that her daughter had seen Dr. Tal. She's from Ohio and her daughter had a, a, a form of brain cancer. Her daughter, Amaya, and Dr. Tao was like the one doctor that was honest with Nikki and let her know like your daughter is very sick and she is not going to live and you know she didn't but Nikki like expressed us on the Facebook page like I was just so thankful for him because he was the first doctor that didn't mince words and that let me know what it was really like and what I needed to do for my daughter and Nikki just thank you so much for sharing us that on the Facebook. I know that thread was just like full of love and it's really one of the reasons why our Facebook page, well not a page, a group, our Emotionally Broken Psychos group is just so incredible and I'm gonna have Nikki on the podcast hopefully in two weeks so that we can talk about her daughter Maya and what it was like to see the teen mom doctor but she had like nothing but incredible things to say about him and how good he was for her and her daughter and so for Leah and Corey to just be ignoring him it just kills me for Leah to be ignoring Leah and Corey. I shouldn't just say Leah because it's very much Corey too. For Leah and Corey to be ignoring what the doctor is saying is just so, it's infuriating. Um, you know, they're only making things harder for Allie. Leah is already exhausted by school and Addie and Leah called Jeremy and whatever. It's like a cute scene of a kid talking to her dad. Uh, we get a funny fucking scene of Leah with the girls in the back, all three girls, and she starts talking about her day, <clears throat> and little Gracie, like, covers her ears, and it's like, blah, 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 which is, like, rude, and you shouldn't put up with it, but I thought it was fucking funny, because, like, I just love that Gracie, like, doesn't give a fuck about anything that Leah says. Like, Gracie has seen her shit, and she doesn't care. Our final scene is Jeremy picking up Addie, and Leah's voiceover is, like, Jeremy was 30 minutes late to pick up Addie, and she was very groggy. But then we, like, see them in the car right away, and Addie is wide awake and pegging to go to Walmart. So, I don't know. Don't know what's up with that. I want to go to Kaylin next. By the way, I don't remember what order I went in last week, and I need to keep that in mind, I think. It's so hard with the five girls. It's so hard. I hate the five-girl format. I'm not used to it still. Leah's like I don't give a fuck about her being on the show whatsoever and I just spoke about her for only five minutes what's the point of having a teen mom that fills up five minutes I wouldn't be surprised if her airtime was under four minutes this week it was so fucking short like MTV I really hope for next uh season that they fix it a lot of people say they probably brought on Brianna because Kale is refusing to film but like here's my thing on Kale I fucking love watching her stomp around. I think it's so funny. I think Kale being mean to people is so fucking funny. I don't know why. Like, when Farrah does it, I'm like, mm, I hate this. Farrah is mean. But for some reason, like, watching Kale just be, like, a total nightmare to everybody around her, like, cracks me the fuck up. I think it's because, like, I know Kale in her heart, like has love for people and has an ability to love but she's like just such a cold-hearted bitch basically 
Um, I think also a lot, a lot of it is like when it comes to Kale's like weird sexism that I think if she was a guy, people wouldn't mind so much the way that she talks to people and treats people. I think it's because she's not very feminine. You know, like I wouldn't say Kale gives off like a feminine vibe. And I think that really bothers people, but it doesn't bother me. Like, I just think when Kale is, like, growling at people, it's so funny. And I know, I know Kale's miserable and, like, she's not happy and she's not happy with her life whatsoever. But, you know, I just think, like, watching her just fucking tell Javi to shut the fuck up brings me joy. I'm a bad person. You know, doing this podcast has really made me self-reflect on, like, how bad of a person I am. And Kale brings that out because, and well, Leah too. I like to see them doing bad in their lives because it's it's entertaining to me. So our first scene is Kale. They're giving it, the producers are giving us a little bit of foreshadowing here. Actually, I guess that'd be the editors. I don't really know how TV is made. But we're getting a little bit of foreshadowing here where Kale is like yawning and she's like, I'm so tired because I woke up, Lincoln woke up before the alarm went off. Um, but, you know, they're definitely like throwing in over and over again that Kalen is tired. So we get a scene of Javi coming over and Javi like <laughs> leans in. This is what I mean by it being funny. He like leans in to give her a hug and she like barely will do a Duggar side hug with him. And then, like, leans the fuck away from him. <laughs> and he... <laughs> and she's like, don't touch me. Don't be fake. And it's just so funny because they, like, had obviously been fighting. I think it... Javi just, like, gets under Kale's skin. Like, I think it just drives her nuts that he just, like, walks into her house. I think Kale would be fine with, like, her and Javi never speaking again. Like, if he is coming to pick up the kids, like, they'll go outside and get in the car without them, like, having a word. Um, I'm still waiting to see, are they going to show us the restraining order that Kale got? Or the, I should, I don't know what it's called in Delaware. In Pennsylvania, it's a protection from abuse order. And I think that's what Kale got. It's not like a restraining order that they can't be around each other. But it's basically like the court has stepped in and said you cannot use abusive language towards one another. And if you do, that's cause for arrest. So that was issued, I think, in December or January fuck guys for next week i'm gonna have a kale and timeline i also think this timeline this episode was weird because i swear that kale revealed she was pregnant then got rid of her white bmw because she was gonna need a bigger car and was talking about how she would need a bigger car but she was already driving the new lincoln navigator in this episode but apparently nobody knew she was pregnant so Remind me, psych, you don't have to remind me. I'll do it for next week. Um, that I'm gonna do a complete timeline of Kale's pregnancy as we know it versus what we're seeing on the show. Because I think we're getting a really weird Kalen timeline this season. Um I don't think we're seeing things I think we're seeing things like really out of order. So basically Kale's like fucking pissed that Javi is acting as she calls it fake. Which is funny, because I think Kale's pretty fake. She's just fake in a different way. Like, she was a false ego. She's, like, a fake, like, bragger. Like, she brags about all the stuff she has, but, like, is low-key bragging about it. So, like, we're not supposed to know she's bragging about it. I think Kale's overall pretty fake. But 
for whatever reason, she, like, accuses Javi of being fake because he's, like, being nice to her. I mean, I get it. Look, they're, like, fresh off a divorce. Like, I don't blame anyone for not wanting to hug their ex-husband. I don't blame them. Like, she doesn't like him. She doesn't need to be around him. I think Kale and Javi are in a really bad place where we see because I just feel like Kale is actually right here because Javi wants them to be, like, best friends. And I think Kale does not, and that's reasonable. I feel like at this point, like, so fresh off the divorce, like, they don't need to be hugging. They don't need to be having sit-down conversations. They don't need to be, like, updating each other on, like, their lives and what's going on. Like, for right now, I feel like all they need to do is communicate about the kids and, like, do drop-offs and pickups. Like, there doesn't need to be this, like, close friendship between the two of them. You know, when my parents first, first divorced, like, I feel like for the first year or two, they, like, didn't really interact outside of, like, financial stuff, you know, like, splitting of assets stuff and, like, talking about us. And now they're very friendly. I've talked about this. Everybody gets along great. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. My dad had, like, an issue with something uh, regarding something in our family and, like, called my mom for advice about it, which was, like, you know, really nice and she was really touched that he would do that. But that's, like, it's been 10 years since my parents divorced. And I would say it took, like, three years to get to the point where they were, like, friends. And it also took them, both of them moving on to new relationships and being happy in new relationships. And I think really being able to be, like, okay, like, that was... And my parents were together for 20 years, you know? So I think for Kale, it's, like, it's too fresh. And I get it. I feel like Kale wants to like keep a very strong boundary of like we're divorced we're not getting back together and we're not friends like we have a kid together and that's it and Javi wants to be like buddy buddy and Kale's like don't come into my house and take something out of the fucking fridge Kale is very territorial and Javi knows this and Javi knows how to step over that like for me and you dear listener what if I just like constantly called you guys my dear listeners I love that it's like I'm on NPR Okay, dear listener. I can't do, like, an NPR voice today because I'm too sick. (laughs) Also, my name is not funky enough to be on NPR. Like, Elizabeth Bentley will not work on NPR. (laughs) I need need something way cooler. Um, I just got so off track. Welcome to Feathers in My Hair. I'm, like, really amped up today. Can you guys tell? I'm sure you can tell when I'm amped up. I can tell. Last week I was like amped below. And this week I'm feeling, you know, I'm feeling fine. I'm feeling good this week, guys, even though I'm very sick. Okay, I'm totally lost. Oh, so Kale is very territorial. Javi knows this. He lived with her for four years. Um, I think Kale has this classic case of growing up uh, in a like really unstable environment, I would guess. And she and her mom moved a lot. They didn't have a lot of stuff. And so I think Kale is, like, very protective over what's hers. Like, this is my house. These are my things. Like, you must be invited to come in. Like, Kale would really get along with a vampire, I think. Because, like, you have to invite the vampire into your house. And I think Kale would like that boundary. And so when Heidi comes in, walks in, just, like, gets something to drink and starts criticizing her. Like, oh, you have to watch for expiration dates Javi knows what the fuck he's doing. He lived with Kale for a long time. Like, he knows he's not allowed to just walk into her fridge. And Javi, like, does not respect that it's not his house anymore. And I understand, like, 
I would imagine that's very difficult if you've lived with someone for four years and then you move out, but, like, the house is still exactly the same and, like, she's still sleeping in the same bed. Your kids are still in the same bedrooms. Like, the kitchen is exactly the same, but now you're not allowed to call that your home. I would imagine that's hard, and, like, I do feel for Javi there, but the fact is, like, they are divorced. That is no longer his house. Like, he can't just come in and take stuff out of her fridge. That's, like, best friend behavior. Like, when I'm at my best friend's house, I'll just walk into the fridge without saying anything. But if I'm at somebody who I just have, like, a cordial relationship, you know, I'm I'm not, like, Tinsley Mortimer. I am a good house guest. Like, Sonia would really like me as a house guest because I say, may I please have something to drink? Would it be okay if I go in your fridge? And I just think it drives Kaylin's nuts that, like, they don't have this clearly defined boundary. Um, and, I, like, I, I get that. But I have to wonder, like, if Kale's sending late night texts or, like, you know, like, what happens off camera? I feel like when it comes to Kale and Javi, like, we've missed a lot of, like, off camera stuff. Um, there are some rumors that are going around on the internet right now that came from Teen Mom Updates, a Facebook page or Facebook group, which, you know, is the most reliable of the reliable, that Kale had been fucking Javi after their divorce, and it's possible that her baby is his. <sighs> is it possible? Sure. I mean, I guess. Like, literally anything's possible. They're young. They're dumb. They have kids together. Emotions run high. Uh, but I think the baby is Chris's, and, you know... Oh, it's the next week, and baby Lo isn't here yet. Oh, guys, I'm so upset. I just really want that baby to get here. Anyway. <laughs> so, yeah, I I do wonder what exactly Kale and Javi's relationship looks like, not on camera. I wonder if Kale stiffens up when the camera's around because she doesn't want the audience to accuse her of leading Javi on. But, you know, Kale's, like, in a lose-lose situation because... This way she just gets accused of being a bitch and treating Javi badly. Uh, so basically, Kale is like on her next level nastiness. And Javi is talking to her about uh, the fact that he might have to deploy again and that he told the kids. And Kale's like, why the fuck would you do that? And exactly what I was talking about last week. That Isaac... Lincoln, what I think Lincoln like doesn't give a fuck, and like if Javi deploys, he's like, "All right, man, TTYL," and like runs away because he's like three and just like doesn't have emotions like that. But poor sweet Isaac, like it's just coming off the toughest year, and I don't need to like get into a long spiel about this because I know I talked about this a lot last week. But Kale and I are on the same page that like Javi needs to think before he tells Isaac things, and Kale was basically just like. Until you were telling me you're leaving, I don't know why we're having this conversation. And on one hand, I can, I feel like she would be mad if Javi just, like, sprung deployment on her. But on the other hand, like I said last week, Kale is no longer Javi's emotional support. She doesn't need to talk him through, like, deployment fears. He has a mom he lives with. He has a dad he lives with. He has friends. He has family. He has, you know, like, there are people in his life that he can go to that are not Kale. And she doesn't have to fucking do that for him. So Javi's like, Kale's like looking at her phone while they're talking. He's like, can you put that phone down? And she's like, no. And he's like, but I'm trying to have a conversation with you. And she's like, but you don't get it. I don't care about you to have a, or I don't care to have a conversation with you. <laughs> the conversation is over, which I just thought was so funny. <laughs> 
Like, she just was... Kale's, like, bitchiness level was at an 11 this episode. And, I mean, it's obvious now... Not now, but, like, even at the beginning of the episode, obviously, that Kale was really in a stressful situation. She was pregnant with a guy that didn't want to be with her. Uh, As we find out in the next scene, it's Kale FaceTiming her friend Kristen. And, by the way, like... These girls all FaceTime so much. Like, I fucking hate FaceTiming. Um, I can't... Guys, I'm sorry if I'm repeating this. I feel like I did talk about this before. I have, like, a memory, but I can never remember if it's, like, a conversation I had with a real-life person or, like, on Reddit or on Facebook or on the podcast. But I fucking hate FaceTiming. I'm usually just, like, laying in my bed, like, looking a goddamn mess. I have no one I need to FaceTime with. We can text. I prefer texting. We can call if we must. But, like, why do we need to FaceTime? What do do we get out of FaceTiming? I just, I don't care for it. I really don't care for it. And then on the FaceTime, you have to, like, fucking hold your phone, like, in front of your face. Like, if I'm talking to you on your phone, I most likely have on my headphones that have a speaker in them or they're on speakerphone. Because I'm so lazy that I can't even can't even hold the phone up to my ear so yeah facetime no es bueno for me uh but these girls are doing it all the goddamn time so she talks to her friend kristen and basically lets her know that kale and chris broke up and kale says like he didn't really get involved with my kids and like i'm really glad she said she's really glad she's not super involved with him and i screamed because this goddamn lady is now having a baby with him And remember, when she got pregnant or announced she was pregnant, she fucking wrote that blog entry and said this baby was planned. But here we have her on camera talking about how she's glad that she didn't get super involved with this guy. I want to scream when I hear that stuff. Like, Kale, this is literally your third child with a third guy. You have to know how involved you are getting. It's just, it's so crazy. It makes no sense. These girls are off their rockers. Um, It's like, it's a lot like Brianna, um, who I'm going to talk about later because I'm fucking obsessed with Brianna right now. Brianna is a top two for me. Brianna and Janelle. Actually, this show would be perfect if it was Brianna, Janelle, and Kaylin. Like, I'm full on board for a three mom, just the three of them. That would be great. So, it's just crazy to hear her say, like, I'm so glad we're not super involved. Because, like, you're literally about to have a child with him. <laughs> like, the most possibly involved of someone you could be is having their baby. Why aren't you in birth control? Why aren't you getting an abortion? Like, why are you having a child with someone that you don't want to be involved with? It just makes no fucking sense. Um... She said, like, she was kind of living, like, this weird double life with him. Like, the kids would go to their dad's house, and then he would come over. You know, I was glad to hear that, that he wasn't really around when the kids were over, or when the kids were there. Um, I don't know how true that is, but that's great. She says, I don't need to be in any type of relationship right now. I just need to be single, which, true, but, you know, then she gets pregnant. And her friend's like, well, what about girls? And Kayla, like, smirks and says, I've been with girls and their drama. Uh, which, I don't know if a lot of people knew this, but Kayla's openly bisexual. She definitely came out in her book. Uh, last year, she was maybe hooking up with her friend Becky, who is a lesbian. Maybe not. They were, like, always very coy about it, and they posted some pictures of them kissing it, like, 
Asbury Park, New Jersey pride, you know. <laughs> I love the Jersey Shore, so I'm not even going to hate on it. But it's, I don't know if, I don't know how involved with girls she's been, but she's been openly bisexual for a long time. And I think Kale would be great in a, like, in a bisexual, in a woman-loving woman relationship. I think it'd be great for her. I really, I think Kale's a lesbian. I think I've said this before. Like, I just, I think she is. I I think she'd be an a really good lesbian. And I really fucking hate when girls, like, say that they won't date girls because girls are too much drama. No, Kaylin, you're drama. Like, every, because she's had such drama-free relationship with men. Like, <laughs> she's so stupid. Okay, so Kale is taking Isaac to Javi's because he wants to go there and she has to do a class anyway. Uh, I do want to give, like, a big props to Kale, and I don't, I think a lot of people are skipping over this, that I I really appreciate how much she's allowing Javi to be involved with Isaac. Uh, we've seen him over there multiple times. I know some people are going to be like, oh, well, that's just because she wants to dump her kid, but I really don't think it's the case. I think... She is actively making a choice to let Javi be in Isaac's life, and I think that's great. Do we think Isaac still calls Javi dad? I would guess, yeah. But, you know, who knows? So, she's dropping Isaac off there, and she's like, I'm sick. I don't feel good. I'm tired. And she drops Isaac off, and then FaceTime Sterling, good old Sterling, and Kale's bitching, and Sterling's like, dude, you're so pregnant. And Kale, like, scrunches up her face. I'm doing it right now, but you can't see. And is like, I'm filming. <laughs> it was so fucking pissed. And it was so funny. But surprise, y'all. Kale's pregnant. Uh, You know, what a shocker. Kale's pregnant. Congrats, Kale. So happy for you. So that was Kaylin this week. I know a lot of people are, like, annoyed with her. She's not really agreeing to talk about a lot of stuff on camera. She's stomping around. But I'm loving her diva antics. I find them fucking hilarious. I have no problem with them. They are great, basically. They're great. I think we're going to mosey on over to North Carolina, Wilmington, North Carolina now, to my lover, Janelle. I feel like she didn't have a crazy week this week. I don't have a ton of notes on her. Um, our first scene is her letting us know that David managed to get the keys to the rental, so they're not going to um, go to the hotel and that it's already furnished, so great. Which begs the question, like, why they were rapidly packing that day like it makes no it makes no sense the fucking place was already furnished like why did her and kaiser not just go to that goddamn house like did you just hear my voice crack oh my god why did her and kaiser just not go to the house that morning and hang out there it's furnished there's tv like they could have brought the toys it's crazy it it's so crazy It looked nice, and Dave. we get a fucking hilarious thing of David saying, Sorry I cussed you out today, babe. <laughs> I mean, I get, it's nice that he apologized, but it's just so funny how he said it. Sorry I cussed you out. Like, it's, it's okay. She was like, 
it's okay, babe. I just wanted you to care, which, you know, for Janelle, it's all about attention. All Janelle wants is attention all the time. And she said, the, she said, I just felt like you were trying to get me out of the house. <sighs> Guys, I don't, I don't know how to like respond when Janelle says stuff like that, that she just felt like they were trying to get her out of the house. That's literal crazy talk. Of course he wasn't trying to get you out of the house. He wanted to fucking move. And he didn't want the baby to be around. It's so... It's just so nuts, the way that Janelle talks. It's just so nuts. And, like, you kind of forget about it sometimes for a minute, and then she says something, and you're like, oh, you're a fucking nightmare. How codependent do you have to be that you think when your fiance... Well, I guess they're not engaged yet. But when your boyfriend, father of your upcoming child, is saying go get the keys to the house hang out there and i'll be over when we're done moving stuff is trying to get you out of the house i just i don't even understand what that means like what to do what trying to get her out of the house to do what she's just so she needs to be with her boyfriend at every moment this is what i've always said janelle does not get isolated by boyfriends she isolates herself janelle like doesn't get boyfriends with no jobs she makes her boyfriends quit their jobs because she can't stand to spend one second away from her boyfriends she could now can never have a boyfriend that works because her boyfriends need to be her job they're i just worded that weird janelle needs to be her boyfriend's jobs like david these are david's priorities janelle the children upkeeping of the land which, by the way, Janelle posted a hilarious snap this week that was like a picture of David's work boots. And the caption was like, if your man's boots don't look like this, like you don't, he doesn't work or something. You know, those stupid. It was like basically a meme in Snapchat form. And a ton of people flipped out. But I just thought it was fucking hilarious because like it just shows Janelle like she's so not self-aware like to realize that her saying that is crazy because neither she nor david have a traditional job um <laughs> just so funny david is not is not employed i do think david works hard you know i give david a lot of credit he has like really done a ton of work on their house and their land he's clearly the primary caregiver for kaiser marissa uh ensley or Kaiser, Marissa, Ensley, and Jace. I have to count on my fingers how many kids they have. <laughs> Kaiser, Marissa, his daughter, and Ensley, and then Jace on the weekends. David's clearly the one taking care of them. So I would say, like, David does work, but he's a stay-at-home father, a stay-at-home boyfriend to Janelle, and he takes care of their property. But it's just so funny that she would post, like, if your man's boots don't look like this, like, he isn't a hard worker because... She just is so detached from reality. And, like, she had to have known that would make people annoyed. I mean, people really flipped, which is, like, next level. But personally, like, those snaps are, like, the Janelle that I love. Just, like, a complete lack of self-awareness. And this whole conversation that she had with David in the episode is just, like, there's just no self-awareness. Like, saying that she wanted... Dave, she felt like David was trying to get her out of the house when all he wanted her to do was pick up the keys and like get Kaiser out of the way is uh, it's so insane and I know people will say it's just because she's pregnant it's because of her hormones and like sure I'm sure they play an effect in it 
But let's not act like Janelle hasn't acted like this every fucking season of this fucking show. And she's only been pregnant for a couple of them. You know, this is not all, this is not all pregnancy stuff. This is Janelle and how Janelle acts. Janelle is just nuts. She desperately needs to be medicated and in therapy. Uh, they end the scene with David saying that Janelle and Kaiser are the loves of his life, which is, like, nice and cute. I mean, it's, like, not great because, you know, he has Marissa and his other son, Caden, who's not allowed to see. But it was a nice sentiment. I'm not going to pick at that. Janelle lets us know that she's been trying to keep her distance from Barbara. And you know what? I think that's good. A story came out this week. Barbara gave an interview that she's not invited to Janelle's wedding. And you know what? Like, I say good for Janelle. I think this might be a controversial opinion. But Janelle and Barbara, much like Deb and Farah, should not be talking. They are unhealthy. They bring out the worst in one another. Barbara has given Janelle a wonderful gift by raising her son. And Janelle should be grateful for her for that. But, like... Why would Janelle at this point in their lives want Barbara at her wedding? Like six months ago, she was calling the cops on them for kidnapping Jace. You know, whether that was right or wrong, I don't know. But she fucking hates David openly. She openly hates David. She screams at David. David screams at her. She screams at Janelle. Janelle screams at her. Why would Janelle want Barbara at that wedding? I just think Barbara and Janelle need to keep like a distance from one another. Maybe do therapy together. Uh, Janelle obviously shouldn't, neither one should be using Jace, like, as a pawn in this game, but I thought it was pretty pathetic for Barbara to give that interview, you know, like, to talk to Radar or whoever the fuck she talked to and let them know that she's hurt, that she's not invited to the wedding, you know, as my love princess, who's, by the way, it's her birthday today, happy birthday princess, we love you, uh, stated, like, Barbara had to know damn well that she was not invited to this wedding. And I'm a big believer that you shouldn't have to invite people places just because you're family, especially if they're fucking rude to you. Is Janelle rude to Barbara? Yes, absolutely, 100%. Is David rude to Barbara? Yes, absolutely, 100%. But the fact is they don't get along, so why would they have her at her wedding? It just, I don't know. Barbara, if you want to be invited to Janelle's wedding, then you need to do active work to make your relationship better. Janelle does as well, but here's the thing, Barbara is a big part of that relationship. And, like, don't tell me that interview isn't the same exact shit that Janelle pulls. You know, talking, I mean, I'm sure she didn't call Radar up. I'm sure whoever got works at Radar got in touch with her. But to grant that interview and to give them her tears, I'm not invited. Like, that's the same exact manipulation that Janelle does, and it's so obvious that Janelle learned it from her. Just... And also, I thought they weren't supposed to be fucking talking about each other in the press. Janelle's giving interviews. Oh, shit. Janelle's book came out this week, guys. Um, I think in the next week, I might purchase it and read it. That's a big, big, big commitment for me, but I might be willing to do it. But it's hard, guys. But there have been some crazy excerpts from the book. The ghostwriter, I don't even know what's going on. But Janelle's been giving a ton of interviews, talking shit about her mom. Barbara's been talking about Janelle. It's just, it's a bad situation. So yeah, Barbara, you're not invited to the wedding. It's not really that surprising. Let's get back to the episode. So Nathan apparently hasn't seen Kaiser in over a month because Janelle doesn't trust him. I didn't realize that she was allowed to just withhold custody. But I guess she was because she filed a motion uh, to 
modify custody. Uh, I guess the police report when he was arrested said that Nate had empty bottles all over his house. He has alcohol problem, which we all know. Nate has four DUIs. Let's go over the DUIs. He got a DUI on an army base, so apparently it doesn't count towards his record. He got a DUI that may or may not have had his daughter, Emerson, in the car. Now, this has never been a proven fact. Somebody may have heard it from his ex-wife, Allison. I don't know. Never proven, but the word on the street is he got a DUI with Emerson in the car, and that's why he, up until like a year or two ago, only was allowed to have supervised visits with Emerson who he does not see very often in last time I checked was still actually in the custody of her maternal grandparents because the mom Allison is also an on and off again mess. I mean, let's be real. Anybody that's married to Nathan is a mess. Okay. So that's DUI two. Then there was a third DUI, but technically legally his second DUI. And then the DUI he got when he was with Janelle. So that's four DUIs, technically three DUIs legally, but that's a shit ton of DUIs. Clearly you're an alcoholic. Honestly, after your second DUI, you're probably an alcoholic because that means you're still drinking and acting in a really reckless manner regardless of consequences. I don't know many people with two DUIs that don't have some sort of substance abuse issues. And yeah, unfortunately, I know quite a few people who've had multiple DUIs. Um... And even before I was sober, working in the restaurant industry, I knew multiple people with two DUIs, which is bad. Yikes. So Janelle basically wants his visits to be supervised with his mom and wants Kaiser to have every other weekend instead of having him three weekends a month. And okay, that seems fine. Janelle goes to meet David in the middle of the day. Uh, He's dressed like a business professional man because for about three weeks David was going to community college maybe not even community college I think he was going to um Miller Mott where Janelle got her certificate from that ended really quickly it was really funny David was being her business manager still might be her business manager I wonder if he got a cut of the book deal ay um <laughs> But I did notice that it's the middle of the day. They're talking about Nate's alcohol issues and David was drinking a beer. <laughs> and he was wearing sunglasses inside, which someone tweeted her about. And she was like, no, David, like we met in the middle of the day for lunch. David was in school and he has transition lens- transition lenses that hadn't changed back. But I feel like if they really met in the middle of the day while he was at school, like why was he drinking a beer? <laughs> I don't know. A lunch drink is fine, right? Like, I have no problem with people having a lunch drink. But, like, it's kind of weird to have a lunch drink in the middle of your day when you're, like, in school. I mean, I can tell you, like, I did that, but I'm an alcoholic. So, you know, you shouldn't want to... If I've done things, you probably don't want to have done them as well. (laughs) Uh, So they go to mediation, and our dear friend... Nathan is there wearing his best business casual attire, which I love. I love Nathan and his business casual attire. I just love it. And basically, he's refusing to film. And I guess he can afford to do that because Nathan gets a steady uh, disability check every month from the VA. I think he gets like almost max benefits. So I think he's getting a couple thousand a month. So I'm sure he's not living large, but he's fine with his disability check and he doesn't have to work so congrats to Nate and he doesn't give a fuck about filming 
they come outside and he agrees to talk to the producers and he says that Brack got everything she wants like always and he was like but we both got joint custody but the only thing that's different is supervised visits and my loyal lawyer told me to bend over backwards for her which is you know it's weird because then he got on Twitter and said like Janelle was actually throwing a fit in there and that uh, the judge told her to calm down but if why if that was the case why would his lawyer tell her tell him to give her everything she wanted I think Nate was backed into a corner because he still has like Janelle said five cases pending two of them being felonies and their domestic violence charges against the same woman So, when Janelle... Oh, <laughs> I must skip the funniest part. So, Kristen, the producer, is like, okay, so you didn't, like, want to sign over custody? He's like, no, that's my kid. And she's like, okay, so why'd you send these texts? And he's like, you know, I'm an adult. I make mistakes. I'm not perfect. And sometimes when you're hitting the rocks and you've had too much to drink... <laughs> But I think he was trying to say when you hit rock bottom, but he said multiple times when you're hitting the rocks. And it was just so funny and so Nathan. And I miss having Nathan on the show. He's just such a monster. And he was like, next up, she's going to try and get more child support. Just you wait. I'll pay it. But she's going to keep on. This is going to go on for years. Uh, Janelle and Nathan or Janelle and David basically have their recap talk in the car. And she basically says the judge agreed with me she told him that he needed to stop flipping out and that he shouldn't be around kaiser when he's drinking actually maybe she didn't say that did she say he needed to be around kaiser i'm a little fucked up not like fucked up that i'm high i'm just sick (laughs) what if i had relapsed and like admitted it on the podcast (laughs) that would be so dark That would be, like, the darkest of darks. Uh, David said something which I thought was very true when he said he doesn't want to have to take care of Kaiser. Which, I agree, but it's just kind of funny because either does Janelle. Hey guys, to hear the rest of this week's episode, come on over to patreon.com slash evpsychos. Love you all. Have a great week. This has been an episode of Feathers in My Hair, an Emotionally Broken Psychos Patreon exclusive. Executive Producers, Molly McAleer and Liz Bentley. Produced by Nicole Matthews. Special thanks to Sarah DiGiovanna for our logo. Head on over to our Patreon page for more rewards. www.patreon.com slash ebpsychos. And come on over to our Facebook page for more discussion.